Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. So we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy 3 verse 13 to 17. 2 Timothy 3 verse 13 to 17. And I want to set up this thought that I want us to centre around for the duration of our time together. And Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy. Paul is imprisoned and he's about to die. And he is reflecting to Timothy to basically fight the good fight of faith in spite of persecution and trouble. And so that's what Paul is doing. He is writing these verses to him. And basically the context is, is there's some false teachers that are arising and they're acting a certain way and they are evil, not doing good things. And he compares how they're acting to how Timothy should be acting and how we, God's people, should be acting. So 2 Timothy 3 verse 13 to 17 says this, while evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, you know that's a bad idea, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue, can you just say that word for me, continue? But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from where you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise through salvation, through faith in Christ Jesus. Goes on to say this, which we'll touch on later, all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good Work. Let me just read that again one more time. Verse 14, as from 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue. I want to speak to you today from the subject to be continued. To be continued. You see, there are some things that we need to start doing, sure. There's some things we need to stop doing. But I want to put towards you today that there's some things that are to be continued and that we need to keep on doing. This could potentially be a boring message, and I'm okay with that because I believe that the fruit of it won't be boring. The fruit of it, the fruit of it won't will be anything but, because I'm reminding you of some things that you already know, but Paul and all through Scripture, we see God saying, there's some things that you should do continually. There's some things that are to be continued. God's dream for our lives are always bigger than our own. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to see you grow in faith. He wants to see your foundations become strong. He wants you to be ready for anything. He's trying to grow us. But in order to do that, there are some things that we have to do that are to be continued. And Paul writes to Timothy and says, no, you've heard these things and you're convicted of these things and you would say you believe these things, but are you doing those things? I love what Paul says in, in Corinthians 2, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 11, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 11, and he's writing to the church in Corinth and he says this, now you should finish what you started. If I was in Corinth and Paul was writing to me, I'd be like, oh, he's talking to me. I'm very... Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning, and he's talking about the context of giving, be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. So, so, so Paul's saying, hey, listen, great that you was excited about the start, but there's some things to be continued. 
I know that that would have been me. I would be the person that's like, I get this letter, it's read out as it would have been from Paul, early church. Hey, we've got to give. I'd be like, yeah, I'm excited to give. I'm going to give. Paul has to write, hey, has anyone set up a standing order yet? Oh, bro, uh, I was meaning to do that. Um, now, I know that I'm going to get into trouble for the next thing that I'm going to say right now. I'm going to cause some marital difficulties and problems to arise. And I'm sorry, um, but are there any jobs in your homes that are to be continued? You know what I'm talking about. Is it that job in your house? It's like you started it, but it's like it's to be continued. Come on, that garage needs cleaning. That shelf needs putting up. That electrical thing needs sorting out. And maybe one of you has been saying, hey, babe, when are you going to do that thing? And you're like, it's to be continued at some point. I'm not trying to make your lives hard. And so, that's the only thing I know some of you is going to take home from that. See, get it, get it. Get it done. I, I know for me, I can be great at starting things. I can get excited about some things and I've stopped saying things that I'm going to start to do because people ask me and I know when I'm not continuing something, if you ever hear me say this word, you'll know that I am not living out this to be continued life. If you come up to me and say, hey, Lord, hey, how's the gym going? And I say, well, <laughs> well. Just stop right there. Just go. Don't even bother. Hey, he talked about that new diet that he was going to try out. How's it going? Well, it's, it's to be continued. And, but there's so many areas that we could talk about that I believe that we need, that are to be continued, that we need to keep on doing. And I want to talk about three areas. And the first area I'm going to set up by reading some scriptures. I want to start in Acts 1 verse 8. It says this, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. John 4 verse 35 says, Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Matthew 9 verse 36 and 38. Jesus said, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. And then Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16, it says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to the all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Can I give you one more? 1 Peter 3 verse 15. It says, and if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready, always be ready to explain it. Number one, one thing that I just, as we start a new term, as we, as this is almost like a new year in some ways, I want to remind us we need to continue to let our light shine because there are many people that need to be guided home. We need to continue to let our light shine because there are many people that need to be guided home. There are some things that are to be continued and this is one of them. This this is one of them. I, um, I've had one of the experiences when I've been reading the scriptures for, um, 
You know, you've, re- you've read these, the same verses so many times and then God just speaks to you afresh. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And I, I have one of those verses and this is a bit, if I'm honest, this is a bit live. I, I wrestled with sharing this point first because I feel like this is something God is speaking to, to me about and I'm the kind of person who kind of wants to kind of have like some things up my sleeve before I share it because I don't want to be hypocritical but at the same time, I'm on a journey as you're on a journey. But I, so I want to share it but I feel like God is getting my attention. It started when I was at Hillsong Conference and I heard a great pastor called Chris Hodges speak about the harvest. And, and from that and through reading the Scriptures again, Jesus has reframed how he sees people who aren't Christians. And, and when I was reading this Scripture about the harvest, I, it's almost like I look at there's many people who don't know Jesus and it can just, because I've lived like this, I've not lived in a state where I've seen revival in, in Nottingham, in England. We've got some great churches, but not on the scale that we need to see. I can get so used to almost that is the way it is and churches give it a go, but you know, it's the way it is. But, but Jesus kind of like, I had a moment, it's like he reframes this whole thing. First thing he, he did for me, when he said, listen, this is, this is not just a problem. It's almost like this is an opportunity because Jesus says this is a harvest. So in other words, I see people who don't know for God and I'm praying. And he's like, this is, this is a harvest. This is an opportunity. And then, and then I was really struck by Jesus saying, send workers into his fields. So wait a minute. This isn't just an opportunity, but they're yours. These people, I know that some of you are like, yeah, this was a revelation to me. These people who don't know God, they're his and he wants them back. They're actually his. And we can have a conversation about predestination and get all into that. I'm using this scripture to say they're his fields. So it's an opportunity. They belong to him. And there's a solution to this problem, which is to pray for workers. So over here, we live in a city and a nation that predominantly don't know Jesus. And Jesus is saying, wow, the harvest. There's a lot of great work to be done here. He's not intimidated by it. He's compassionate. It breaks his heart. But then he's like, this is, we are supposed to be solution orientated to all of this. I'm like, okay, okay. And it just made me think, what if we don't start on the back foot, but on the front foot, like go, no, God is, we are going to see something because there are his people. And we, and I get it, we, you know, we've had criticism as a church because our church is geared towards people who don't yet belong. And I understand that. And if I'm honest, sometimes it is nicer just to have a holy huddle where we can just be open and share all of our needs. The only problem with that is Jesus is saying to me through this, there's, there's some people that belong to him and his heart is broken and he needs some people to go and get them. So we either gear our churches two ways. We become about us or we be about the harvest. I just suggest to us that we should be about what Jesus is about. He's got people that he's on his heart. And so I'm thinking about that and we know that. And anytime we kind of talk about evangelism, maybe we kind of start feeling a bit like, oh no, I've got to talk, start talking to my friends about Jesus. I don't know how this is going to go. And I, I understand that anyone relate to that at all today. It's like, oh man, here we go. I know it's important, but what can I do? And again, I had one of these moments, and if this is overly simplistic, I don't even apologize for this. I just, I, I'm not going to, because this is what Jesus said. He said, let your light shine. Let your light shine. Now, I believe that light is an electromagnetic radiation 
with a frequency that's visible to the human eye. I think so. I haven't checked with Wikipedia. I think so. No, honestly, I think so. I think that's what it is. And along that spectrum of frequency of light makes up different colours. So that's why the message translation translates it like this. You're here to bring out the God colours in this world because light is made up of different frequencies and that's where we get the different colours as we can see these different colours on here. So we know that. So firstly, Jesus says, let your light shine. First, he said, no one hides your light underneath a, a bucket. It's like people listening to that will be like, no, Jesus, that's stupid. No one does that. Except for I do sometimes. In fact, I did it the other week. I'm, not ashamed. I'm, I'm very ashamed to share this story, and I didn't really want to because it's not a great story at all. I don't think I've even told Naomi this. But anyway, so I was walking home. I was going back to my home. I don't know what kind of day I was having, but I saw a lady who I used to go to college with and she lives near me and I spoke to her a few times and she was walking a dog and it was one of those situations where she was taking a long time and I knew that if I engaged in a conversation with her, it might take me a long time and I didn't want to do that. So church, I pretended to be on my phone. Full on conversation with nobody. Full on. Like, out loud, like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, cool, man. Yeah. Really? No way. The scary thing about this is that I continued the conversation way past, which is left. There's something wrong for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Just wasn't in the mood that day. No one hides a light under the bucket. Yeah, sometimes we do. So firstly, we just got to let our light shine because... We need to do it continually because there is a real eternity without God and people need our light to shine. So firstly, we've just got to actually do it. Second thing I want to say is there is a unique light and expression that you have. And you, you shining your light is going to look different to me. So we, 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 can, so we can make a decision. But that, that can sound like we can throw that out, but I don't think sometimes we believe that. Sometimes we think, okay, you've got to be on a stage or you've got to be really bold and like, and I've got to be forthright. No, no, Jesus says, let your light shine. So we, we can talk about this, but this was the game changer for me. And I just read this in, um, in some of the study notes. And it says the typical lamp in a Jewish home was fairly small and was placed on a stand to give maximum illumination. And I thought, wow, it, it, it's kind of small, but okay, I'm, I'm actually going to let my light shine. And, and, it, and, it, and it made me think, church, maybe, maybe to see many people find Jesus, it's not just a case of hiding our light, we know that's wrong, and, and not just shining our light, but this is what it says, Jesus said, they put it on a stand so it gives maximum illumination. This is the thought that's quite fresh that I want to share with you today. What if letting your light shine, telling people about Jesus, wasn't actually meant to be this big, scary thing? I want to ask you a question, and Pastor Malcolm's um, talked about this before. What would be the most enjoyable, natural, authentic thing for you to do to let your light shine for people who don't know him. What's the most natural, authentic thing for you to do where you just naturally talk about Jesus and you wouldn't feel intimidated? Let's, so let's just scale it back. Because, so let me give you some examples. Maybe for you, you're really great practically. If someone needs help who don't know Jesus, you, you, 
that you wouldn't even think about that. Do you need any help? I can come around and do that. And as you're doing that, you don't mind chatting to people who don't know him and God might just come up. It's not a scary thing for you. For somebody else, that would be really scary. It's a natural thing. If they need a shelf paint up, if they need a garden, that is natural. Some of you, it's really natural to have people who don't know God around for dinner. You're like, oh, that's easy. I can do that. I can do that calmly. That wouldn't be an issue for me and build some relationship. Maybe for you, you are a bit more out there or maybe more of an evangelist and you just love having conversations straight off the bat about Jesus and you're like, let's go. Let's talk about the subject that's on your mind. Let's talk about if God's real. That's really natural for you. What about if cooking and baking and giving something away is really natural? What about when you're playing sports with somebody and at your football club, when you're in that environment, you don't mind talking about church. It feels really natural. You're enjoying it. They're enjoying it. It feels really natural. Maybe for you, it's playing Fortnite or FIFA online and you like start talking about God. It's so natural. What is my point? I think that place is your stand to bring maximum illumination for people who don't know Him. I wonder if we need to be strategic, not just about switching our light on, but putting it on a stand. I think that's your stand because that's where you have maximum illumination. It's a small light. It doesn't feel like enough, but you're carrying God. And when you put you in that environment, suddenly it's easy. It's got maximum illumination. I wonder if we can be thinking... Towards 20, 2018, 20, calm down. 2018, what it would look like for us to light our lamp but put it on a stand and position ourselves in situations that aren't scary to us, aren't threatening to us, and because they're not, we're ourselves, it's natural, and we start to eliminate God. Is there anything I'm deliberately not doing? Am I hiding my light? Let's talk about that. Is there anything I deliberately need to do, as in let your light shine? Actually, okay, I need to be open by my faith. But is there anything that I need to embrace to maximize my effectiveness? And I was reminded of that song by Fix You. Lies will guide you home and ignite your bones. And I will try to fix you. He will fix you. He will definitely fix you. God will fix you. But I was thinking about that's our calling, that as lights, we are supposed to guide people home who don't know him. We're supposed to point people to him by doing what we can do. Let's stop focusing on what we can't do and let's focus on what we can do. Second area that I believe we need to continue in, and I'm going to set it up again by reading a passage of scripture, is from Revelation 2, verse 2 and 4. And the context is here. Jesus is talking to one of the churches and he says this, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. Wow. I know you don't tolerate evil people. Amazing. You've examined the claims of those who say that they are apostles but are not. Wow. You have discovered they are liars. Incredible. Verse 4. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Number two, we need to continue to love one another biblically, which means generously, honestly, and humbly. Many of you would have um, seen this, this video. It was actually um, uh, shown many, many years ago. I, it's an awareness test, and, and some of you have seen this before. Anyone seen this before? Some of you haven't seen this before. Okay, cool. So it says this, how many pastors does the team make? So you've got to count how many people, pastors the people in white make, okay? You've got to count them up, count them up, keep focusing on the people in white, keep focusing on the people in white, 
Amazing, 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 amazing. Keep focusing on them and count. Anyone know how many passes? 13, nearly good. But then it goes on to say this, which is quite funny. It says, did you see the moonwalking bear? And some of you did, yeah. Who saw the moonwalking bear? Who didn't see the moonwalking bear? Amazing. <laughs> Let's rewind this. So here we go. Stop looking at the people. Stop. Okay, and just wait a minute. Here comes the moonwalking bear, okay? It's like, there he is. Yeah. Awesome. What's my point? When you're so focused on something, you can miss what is right in front of you and so obvious. And this is what this church was doing. You're like, how is Jesus saying to the church the most obvious thing? He says, you are doing incredible at this. You're killing this, but oh, you've forgotten the moonwalking bear. You're supposed to love one another. How have we done that? It's easier than we think. I was speaking to somebody and um, they were just saying, what, what, what areas do you need to work on? And they said, do you know, for me, um, what I need to work on is this. He says, yeah, I, I love people, but I love results more. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm talking about. And they said, you know, I, I, don't, I can get the job done and care about people's feelings later. What was hilarious about this, I was sharing this to someone close to me, I won't say who, and um, I said, oh, this person said, I love, <laughs> I love, <laughs> sorry, I love people, but I love results more. And they said, oh, great. <laughs> I was like, no, no, that's not the point of what I'm trying to say. I said, that they, they care more about getting the job done than people's feelings. Then they're like, what's wrong with that? That's just called getting the job done now. It's like, okay, we may need to have a conversation about what the Bible says. But the point is, I get, as a church, we can be so busy cracking on with stuff. But I think loving one another is to be continued. It's to be continued. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 to 7, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, I'll come back to that. It always protects, always loves, always hopes, always perseveres. It says in the message, love cares more for others than for self. I want to say to us, because Jesus gave himself for me, let's love others generously. I've been really challenged about this recently. And love is one of those things where I seek and pray to keep on being both to God and to people. I don't want to miss the moonwalking bear because it's the most obvious thing. So it's something I try and bring to forefront all the time. But I want to say this, that love, I've realized, is expensive. Love's expensive. Loving people is long, long. I think that's why the Bible says love and faithfulness kiss together. They walk together. They should be together. They go together because love is, love is long. And I've just been really challenged and I, I just had it on my heart to share for us as a community. Together as heart church. Man. I don't care if you think this is really obvious because if Jesus had to tell the church that we're killing it, then we need to hear it. We need to continue loving each other biblically. Biblically. To biblical standards, which means being generous, putting others before ourselves, which is costly, which means I've got to see things from your point of view, not my own. That takes time. And when I feel like it, it's great, but when I'm busy and want to get things done, I don't want to do that. I want to shout out to, this is no message, not about 
teams, but I want to just really practically thank you to everybody who serves on team and cares more for others than they do for themselves. And, and if you've not joined a team yet, I want to encourage you because that's, that's loving to serve teams and to, and to put yourself out there and to serve other people. It's a really loving thing to do. Shout out to all the people who are making this happen week in, week out. Love, that's love, motivated by, by love. And I wanted just to, 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 to remind us that I, I want to be generous and I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. That's being generous. I, I want to be generous even when people don't look their best and, I, I, and they're not acting their best. I want to still talk good about people. Can I be honest? I, I think I've been tempted to gossip recently and I don't really do that. And I just want to, and maybe, and maybe I have sometimes, I've passed on bad news. That's what gossip is. It's just passing on bad news. If you hear a piece of information, your first thought is like, I can't wait to tell my people. Ooh, this is juicy. They're going to love this. I don't think that's loving. I don't think that's generous. I don't think that's what God wants. And maybe if you struggle with that, listen, God died for your sin and shame. It's not now time to kind of go, ooh. And if you know somebody who's prone to maybe being on that scale, don't like go, mm. <laughs> don't do that. Don't like confront them at the end and kind of go, stop telling me everything. And some people are cheeky because sometimes if you know somebody who's prone to gossip, you might not be the one doing the gossiping, but you like the news. You can ask the right questions just to get that information out. So stop that too. And he sounds like this. Have you heard about... Just let it out there. Have you heard about... No. Wait for them. What have you heard? No, don't do that. I'm glad we did the offering before that because people aren't like, you know, feeling me about it. Don't like this church. What am I trying to communicate today? I'm trying to communicate that um, with all these points, we cannot do this without the help of the Holy Spirit. Why would I put up with somebody who's frustrating me and, 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 and give them a second chance without the help of the Holy Spirit? I can't do that. But what I love is when we do that and we continue to do that, God, the people, sorry, look at us and go, wow, there's something different about them. There's something different about it. This is the secret source. Love is the glue. Accepting, caring, including. We talk about it in our pools. Why do we to have our culture? Because we, and our pools, maybe you kind of get, you're like, why have we do that? Because we want to keep the main things the main things. And accepting, including, and supporting, caring sounds great, but it's expensive. And that's okay. Because normally the best things are expensive. Things that are worthwhile. And this is the thing, grace has messed me up. That's why I have to love people, because I didn't get, I got what I didn't deserve. So when I want to kind of give someone something they do deserve, I can't, which is annoying. I'm stitched up by grace, Sarah, because I've not got a leg to stand on, Matt. How can I not extend love and a second chance when God did that for me? It's annoying. It's called a narrow road. It's like, how am I going to judge you when God's not judged me in the same way? I, I find it difficult to, which means I need to love you. Even though you frustrate me sometimes. I wasn't looking at you. I know sometimes people come up to me afterwards while I was looking straight at me. But I do want to say this as well. Because Jesus is the truth, let's love people honestly. I think sometimes in this concept of love, we talk about love, just love people. What did we just read there? 1 Corinthians 13, love rejoices with the truth. 
So love involves truth. It's just that, and Jesus came full of what? Grace and truth. I just believe it's grace goes first, not truth. Grace goes first. Grace and truth. I don't believe that's just how it's, you know, you could say, oh, that's just how it's written in the text. No, I think Jesus modelled that. He spent time with Zacchaeus and hang out with him. What was that? Grace. And then Zacchaeus went, actually, I'm feeling really, really convicted right now. That's truth. What did Jesus do to the woman caught in adultery? He said, no one's accusing you anymore. That's grace, but go and sin no more. That's truth. So grace goes first with truth. So I, to love biblically means we have to have one-to-ones with people in our community. Matthew 18 verse 15 says, if your fellow believer sins against you, you must go to that one, one-to-one, privately and attempt to resolve the matter. I'm going to shout this lots during my time whenever I've got a microphone because I've seen the enemy take so many people out because of offence. You got offended and you didn't deal with it. And you see the rest of the scriptures is escalations if it doesn't resolve. Can we just be really simplistic and not be super spiritual, but just be people who kind of go, when I've got an issue with you, I'm going to go and have a one-to-one with you and I'm not going to allow the enemy to take me out. I can remember somebody telling me, and this is what's so messed up about me because I've been in the church so long. Someone told me, that the reason that their mum's not in church is because in their old church, not this one, they changed the kitchen rotor that they were on and they got offended and left. Do you know what the sad thing about that is? Ten years ago, I would have laughed at that. Ten years in, I get it. If you're not a Christian and not been to church and you think that story's weird, thank you. You're a sanity check to my life. But you know what happens, and I've seen it so many times in churches, something changes and people get offended and they leave over a kitchen rotor. Yeah, because why? That was their identity. That was their thing. And also the devil hates unity, so he'll use a kitchen rotor. And that might sound so silly, but... That's how the devil works. It's the small things that build up. And because it never got dealt with, oh, they changed the kitchen row and I wasn't, I wasn't consulted and they're always changing and this church has got no loving. No, you want a mature Christian and you didn't go to that person who offended you. We've got to continue to do this. These are the things that are going to be taking us out. Church is not about just coming and sitting in a service. It's about sharing lives together, being real and open with each other. This is awesome. I love it. But church is about being real and in community. If you have an issue with somebody, you have to go one-to-one. I've had to grow in this. Naturally, and I used to be quite conflict-averse. Some of you find that strange to believe, especially you know me now. But it's like, I don't mind having that conversation because I know it's the most loving thing to do. If I don't tell you the truth, who's going to? And everyone, I hate this. I don't know why I'm getting so emotional. Maybe because it matters so much to me. I hate it when people just talk about people's issues and haven't got the guts to go and share and say, hey, let's talk about this. I hate it. Stop it. Oh, this person does this. This person does that. Has anyone had the, can't say that word in church, the gumption? to go and have a conversation that might be tough. No, let's just keep talking about how rubbish they are. No, that's not biblical. That's not loving. That's not kind. Stop it. Don't do that. Stop doing that. Be mature. Be a man of God. 
confront someone gracefully and loving. Hey, I've noticed this. Thirdly, um, <laughs> the bank can the bank join me. Um, Joshua 1 verse 8, it says, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Matthew 4 verse 4 Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This was actually my starting point. I realize I've got probably three sermons that I've tried to fit into one, but this is, I'm so passionate about this. There are some things that church that are to be continued. And number three, we need to continue to read, connect with, and be impacted by the word of God on a regular basis. I don't know, every scriptwriter for a TV program or for a film, they always have this scene when it comes to a gunfight where two people are fighting, guy and a girl and two guys or two girls and they've got guns and maybe you've recognised this before and they're, they're trying to shoot each other and then maybe they start fighting each other and what happens, someone's gun knocks out of their hand. No one's seen that. Obviously, all the people at the back, you watch TBN. I'm talking to the heathens at the front who know what I'm talking about. You're good. But they're all like, and the gun knocks out of their hand and then the, and, uh, and the camera zooms in on the, on the gun. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And the gun then gets kicked out. Ah, I was just about to grab it. And the gun moves again and they're fighting and there's all this big wrestle of who's going to get the gun, who's going to get the gun. And the bad person picks up the gun, but the person, good person kicks it out of their hand. And finally, they pick up the gun and grrr, kill the other person. But anyway, <laughs> sorry about that. I, was going, I didn't know how else to say that. Deal with the matter. I believe there is a fight in just that same way over our routines when it comes to the Bible. I believe the enemy wants to wrestle with us about how we prioritise the Word of God, get us distracted because he knows as soon as we pick up this book, it's a weapon. It can deal with him. It can deal with your issues. It can remind you of the promises of God. And once you get a hold of this book, you start shooting back at the enemy and go, no, no, you make me wiser than my enemy, the devil. You make me wiser than my enemies. You promised me peace. And you start having victory in your life. I want to remind you, this is what, the Bible says, Psalm 119, verse 105, Your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light my path. I want to commend, elevate, and shine a light fresh on the wonder and beauty and gift of God's Word to us. I want to remind us that every single day I have access to understanding, insight, divine connection, wisdom, correction, renewal, revelation, intimacy. There's a, there's a space where the Word of God is, if I can just engage with it. Over here, every day, Every day, I can either choose to start my day and live my days in darkness, or I can go over and pick up my word. And as I do, I'm going to find revelation. But you know what, church? It's something we need to continue to do. 
because I think sometimes we can get distracted and live over here and oh I need to and I need to think about reading my Bible and oh yeah I need to get around I just read my Bible this week and all the time the light shining this direction this, this instruction this promise it's all there it's all waiting for us all we need to do is position ourselves to, to receive it I want to encourage us to do that really simple you need a time you need a plan and you need a place you need a time, a plan, and a place. What's your time? What are you doing when you open this book? Is it just like, speak to me, God? Okay, that's okay sometimes, but you need a plan. And I want to say you need a place. Listen, there's different seasons. I understand that. Some of you just had a baby. Man, your season of reading the Word of God might just look like the verse of the day while you're trying to fall to sleep. But it's so important. Why? Because we don't live by food alone, but by the Word of God. You could pull the lights up. I, you know, for me, I heard somebody say, and um, I'm not trying to mock them, it's just the way she literally did it like this. And uh, she says, you know, every day I, I wake up and the first thing I do is get on my knees and I give praise to God for the day. That's beautiful. I just thought, if that's the first thing that I did and got on my knees and started giving praise to God for the day, I'd have a pillow on the back of my head for my wife, kind of go, shut up, go in the other room. But the point is this, that, that situation may not work for me, but I started getting challenged about what's the first thing I look at on my phone. And I've, I've started, what I took from that is that the first thing I'm gonna look at is not, not anything else but the Word of God. What am I saying in this? We can hear stuff from the front or other people and get challenged. The point is, how does it translate to your season? How does it translate to your season? And you know, really simply, the Word of God is alive and we're ready for this, guys. I, I was just kind of quickly kind of going through what I was reading and just highlighted some verses from the Bible app that I use on my phone, a bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. I just thought that was funny. But anyway, um, then, it, you know, it goes on to say this and I was just struck by the fact that Jesus laid down his life. This bit, the, the fact that he is my helper and my shield. Church, I've been struggling and, and I was thinking, God, I need some help. I need some help. And he reminded me, no, you're my, you've got all the help you need. I'm your helper and your shield. I was talking to someone to be out the anointing, so I highlighted that. This is not, this is just random. This is weak. This is just normal life stuff. This isn't picked out. Let my soul be at rest again for the Lord has been so good to me. Just like, God, I need your rest. And reading that verse, it was a, what was it? It was revelation to me. Okay, this is where I'm going to put my trust. Cast your burdens onto the Lord and just wanting to write down all the things that would come into my mind. I'm just talking about everyday stuff, guys. This is why I'm highlighting. That's okay. Just the Word of God. That's a normal bit in my little room. Every place, what else have I put here? Now, yeah, this is, now you should finish what you started because I was thinking about what to preach on and going over that verse. Okay, you can take it off because I suddenly realise um, if we keep going, you're going to see all the issues that I have in my life by the verses. Some of you are really smart. It's like, oh, yeah, struggling with that. That's why you highlighted that. I get it. I want to say to you, please, and Matt, maybe you can just put this light over here. Would you give direction a chance? Would you give vision a chance? Would you give revelation a chance? Would you give victory a chance by opening up your Bible? Give it, just give it a chance to work in your life by prioritising the Word of God. Give hope a chance. Give love a chance. Give grace a chance because it's found in here by prioritising because some things are to be continues. You can put the lights back up, man. That's awesome. And lastly, I wanted to encourage some people and I felt God speak to me. We're going to sing that song one more time before Leah comes up. 
I don't know if you've ever watched a film or a TV program. I can remember the name when we was watching, I think it was Lost, and we'd be so engrossed in the television program, and then it used to stop and say, to be continued. And it was so frustrating. Has anyone been caught out by that fact before? Like, you're in it, and it's like, you didn't, you've lost track of time, and it's this dramatic end, and it's like, to be continued. You're like, no! Naomi, Naomi, Naomi loves watching Gogglebox. Naomi, I'm just in the room when she does. And so many times, that's a true story. She's so sophisticated, but she loves Gogglebox. I don't understand it. And uh, on Gogglebox, when an episode ends, it's this so funny. It's like, oh my gosh. It's like, what's going to happen next? To be continued. I want to say to some people here today that you feel like that. That there's some situations in your life that look like a dramatic end. But I want to say that God is saying to you, it's to be continued. I want to say to you, just like Lazarus, it looked like it was, he was dead. But Jesus said, no, he's not dead. It's to be continued. He's only sleeping. Moses was leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. And then it got to the Red Sea and it looked like it was over. But God said to him, no, this is not over. Why are you shouting to me? This is to be continued. The disciples were freaking out and looking up to the sky, but the angel said to him, why are you looking to the sky? Don't you know Jesus is coming back? Don't you know He's sending His Holy Spirit? It's to be continued. I want to say to some people here, you can relate with those situations. Something looks like it's dead. I want to say, just take it down. Something looks like it's dead. And I've come with the Word of the Lord to you to say it's not dead, it's to be continued. It looks like you've come to a Red Sea and there's no Word. And this is the Word of the Lord. It's there's a way because He's the way maker and it's not a dead end, it's a to be continued. Why? Because you serve the God who is the resurrection and the life. So He's the God of the to be continued. He can do anything. I want to implore you today. I want to say this. This is what it said in Psalm 107 verse 35. And this is a word for someone, and I'm going to say this sensitively, but I, this is what it says. But He also turns deserts into pools of water, the dry land into springs of water. You've come to a desert. Leave that up for me, Jordan. You, you've come to a desert, and you think that's the end. But Jesus is saying to you today, no, it's to be continued, because He turns it into pools of water. You've come to something that is dry, and Jesus is saying to you, it's to be continued. And I felt to say to somebody today, with faith and humility and sensitivity, there's some people who are struggling to conceive. And I want to say to you, as that cycle comes on again and tears fill your eyes, that He also turns deserts into pools of water and dry land into springs of water. And I want to say to you, it's to be continued, to keep believing, to keep believing. Come on, let's stand. Come on. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.